Welcome everybody to another episode of my uh, podcast and uh, hello on my vlog if you're watching on uh, on YouTube. Um, I will get the things right at uh, some point. Um, as my uh, avid listeners always know, I'm always delighted to have my guests on. Uh, this has taken uh, today's guest, Scott, and myself rather a long time to get to this point. Um, I'll blame myself rather than uh, our inability to, to communicate across different, uh, different platforms. But um, Scott is the uh, founder and CEO of Up Content, which is uh, an amazing content curation uh, platform. Uh, I met Scott uh, via uh, the wonderful Kate Bradley Chernis at Lately.ai. So if you're not looking at Lately.ai, please uh, do. And um, well, as you can see, the title of today's uh, podcast blog is, uh, is content uh, still king? And I thought who better to get on this podcast than the content king uh, himself, dare I say it, uh, the wonderful Scott uh, Rogerson. So uh, Scott, um, I know we were talking about this in the, uh, talk about, I make it sound very posh, the green room <laughs> before, before we came. <laughs> it was on a beautiful air. space. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Before we came on air, but uh, who, what, why, when, where, a bit of your backstory and that's, uh, let's kind of dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me on. And, and hey, Kate, if you're listening, thanks for making this uh, connection possible those many years ago. Uh, as was mentioned, so CEO of Up Content, as was said, we are a content curation platform, and I'm sure we'll get into what the heck that means for those of you who aren't familiar. Uh, we focus on supporting marketing and sales and HR teams, helping to discover the best, most engaging, most stimulating articles that they didn't write, uh, and making it easy then to connect to the various distribution channels to build effective relationships and ultimately grow their personal brands, grow their company's brands, and close more business because of it. Awesome. Here ends the lessons. Easy, <laughs> easy, easy as that. Podcast, uh, podcast done. If only it were so easy as the, yes. that. Yes. So um, a content creation platform, what, what, what content creation, content curation, possibly creation platform, who knows, uh, but content curation platform. Uh, let's, let's break that down a little bit further. What, what, what is that? Yeah. I mean, you said the word that most people will say after the word content, right? That's just the natural to say creation. I mean, creation has been the focus of content for a long, long time, particularly as we talk about digital marketing or social selling, sales enablement. It's what content can I create that's mine or my teams to get to my other team members so that they can espouse the virtues of working with my organization. Uh, one of the challenges that comes of that is if I don't have another C word, not that one, context around why I should read that article that your team now has loved, you know, beautifully created for me. I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know what it's grounded in. This is a particularly acute challenge in areas of professional services, like accounting or legal, uh, financial services, consulting, right? If I don't know where these ideas are coming from, how do I know that I should spend time watching that video or reading that document? And so curation, is what you can do to create that context, to stimulate, to create engagement. It's what we all do naturally when we are first talking to someone of, hey, did you read that thing? Or did you see that thing? Or here are my thoughts on that thing that we just recently talked about together. It's putting together the best resources that are available today mm -hmm. and presenting those to an individual whom you're just starting to build a relationship or have built a long-term relationship with so that they have the information they need to make the best decision in a unbiased way. Uh, so it's finding those articles, putting them together, the word curation, like a museum, right? It's not just saying, hey, here's every article about 
uh, cloud technology that exists in the world today. Here you go, enjoy digging through that, but it's picking out the best ones that you think are worth reading, maybe adding a little bit of your perspective and making it easy for that person to consume that information so that they feel more informed to take that next step with you in deciding if your offering, your solution, your service is best for them. We all know that the educated prospect is the best prospect, mm -hmm. not only for the actual sales process, but most importantly, when they are a customer and they don't feel like, I really wish I would have known that before I said yes to this, that's not the customer that you want. And by providing them with these curated pieces, it makes it more simple for them to not have to go and do the research on their own and be part of the interwebs uh, to find those bits and pieces that are most valuable. You're that trusted resource for them, for both your own content and the articles that you found externally. And very much uh, sings to the kind of the hymn book that uh, I preach. I don't know why I went with that analogy, but uh, you want to be uh, sharing and engaging with more third-party content than just broadcasting your own corporate yes. uh, content, be that one-to-one -one or one-to-many through uh, through social channels or whatever the future channels might be. But some of my listeners may be thinking, yeah, okay, okay, why, why do I need an up content in my life, Scott? Because Google Alerts works yeah. for me yes. in terms of surfacing me kind of stuff, which, you know, let's be honest, you probably don't do anything with anyway, but Google Alerts is, is good. So why do, why do I need something like up content in my life? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, the way that up content formed is I was running a marketing agency um, back in the late 2010s, like 2015, 16, 17 time mm -hmm. period. And our team was using a lot of the tools that you just mentioned, like Google Alerts, right? Who, who wouldn't use it? It's nice and free and you put stuff in and it's supposed to send you information. And the challenge was that exactly what you said, what do I do with that now? Like it's mm -hmm. stuck in my inbox. I have to go hunt for it again. I have to then read through those articles by clicking on each one. And then I have a tabageddon problem on my browser. I then pick the ones that I like. And now what's my next step? Okay. If it's just for me, I still have to copy that, open up LinkedIn, paste it in, type my post, hit share that becomes exponentially more difficult if I'm trying to enable my team to accomplish mm -hmm. that action, right? So then I'm copying it and pasting it into this thing. I'm putting it into Slack. Maybe it's going into my social selling technology. I'm trying to get it out as a recommended article through my email system. That's a lot of effort after you found it. Mm -hmm. And particularly for curated articles, as you said, the benefit of curation, just like the benefit of the museum, is not that they have one good thing, right? You can't just share one article from Forbes and say, well, that's the end of my exhibit. Hopefully you've gotten everything you needed from that, but you have to be consistently sharing this engaging, reinforcing, contextually relevant content. And if I have to do all of those things, my default is gonna be doing nothing, right? And I'm just gonna go back and focus only on original content because those are my assets. That's worth the squeeze in my mind. Up content was created to certainly help you discover articles. So we're unlike maybe some other tools that teams have used in the past where you're putting in specific RSS feeds into content, and then it's just finding everything that uh, has been published in those feeds. You start by putting in keywords. So we wanna help you discover articles that you wouldn't have found otherwise, that's benefit one. Mm -hmm. The other benefit is then we are integration first minded. So okay. if you're using a great tool like Lately that you mentioned or yeah. Hootsuite or Buffer or a myriad of other technologies, HubSpot, Constant Contact, MailChimp, those are all partners of ours. 
So what we don't want to do is create all those additional steps. We want approval workflows to be easy. We want everybody in the organization to feel like they can take 30 seconds and recommend an article that they read that they think would be valuable and that the marketing team or the sales team or the sales individual can leverage that institutional knowledge of the organization to make themselves look good and help their prospects make better choices. And so that's really where we've seen most of the value from up content. You have to find the article, no doubt. That's kind of table stakes, but the distribution side and the collaboration element is really where we've had a lot of excitement in working with our customers. And is it just written? Is it just written? I said just because there's a lot of written word out there. But what what type of what type of content does up content enable someone to go and kind of search and find and curate? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And as you mentioned, there is a lot of written word. Uh, we surface about five million articles on a monthly basis for our customers in English. We also can surface content in about sixteen other languages with yeah. different dialects below that. Uh, we are focusing on text only at the moment. It is, yeah. as you mentioned, a big enough challenge. Yeah. And we've also seen often from a third party side, while we talk about content as a whole, and we talk about the value of podcasts, which yeah. I totally subscribe to, value of video content. It's hard to see that same value when you talk about using somebody else's video or somebody else's yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, for a couple of reasons. One is it's harder to understand what that video or podcast is about. I have to kind of really listen to the whole thing uh, every time. And then the other bigger question, which is more naturally solved with text content, is where am I sending them? You know, for the podcast, what link am I sending them to? And yeah. am I going to lose them in some sort of rabbit hole? And I could send them to the YouTube link for, for video, but what's going to show up on the side? Yeah. Are they going to remember to come back? Um, and if I do it in a different way, am I uh, damaging the copyright of that creator? And mm -hmm. so the way we tend to see our customers leverage curation is with text-based content, where we are sending them back to the native habitat of that article. Yeah. We do have an opportunity to overlay your own call to action on that to drive that stimulated traffic back to like a video or a podcast. Mm -hmm. But those videos and podcasts, that's really where we say, look, you can't just utilize curation and say, great, I don't have to create anymore, right? This is awesome. I have now freed up my entire team. They don't ever have to write a darn thing again. Put your phones away, everybody. Photos are not needed. We're just gonna share entrepreneur articles. Like that doesn't work, right? Yeah. Uh, and similarly, as we talked on, you can't just go the other way either. It has to be that mix of both. And we see non-text-based mediums really performing well on the asset side, on the owned content side, yeah. and text-based content performing exceptionally well on the curated side. Interesting. And again, I'm reflecting on the question now, and reflecting on kind of how I, what I do, is you're right, I probably, if I'm repurposing or repositioning someone else's content, it's usually written content. It's usually, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we were talking about that blog from Oculus around, you know, I did it on Twitter yeah. today, actually, early today. If, if you don't believe the hype in terms of, or if you think the hype around Meta and VR is all BS, read this. Yeah. It's not mine, but it's then bringing value to my audience who may be thinking, okay, I don't believe it, but actually, even though Alex hasn't written that, that's on a subject matter expert in terms of, okay, 
Alex has then brought value. Whereas actually, if I think of my own journey, all the majority of my video content is my content, either mm -hmm. this or uh, this or what have you. Um, anyway, it's not about me. It's about Scott and up content and his content still king. But some of my, some of my listeners, everything, yeah, okay, whatever, yada yada, yawn, Scott. Um, the proof is in the <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Have you got any kind of metrics or stats or um, by your clients and it's name name, but if they're yeah. NF clients or pro serves clients or even that, you know, what have you, by working with you, your teams, you know, the solutions that you provide, they have been able to achieve why over a yeah. period of time. Yeah. And then there's and there's internal metrics on a lot of those. And then there's the external mm -hmm. effectiveness as well. And I think particularly when we think about social selling or employee yeah. advocacy, which is where curation plays a very significant role. Yeah. On the internal side, it's the WIFM for the employee or the salesperson. Like, what's in it for me? Why would I subscribe to this platform? Yeah. If all you're going to do is pump your PDF documents, like I can go get those off of my Google Drive, right? Yeah. I don't need you to put those in there. And so I'm not going to utilize this tool very often. Yeah. Like, uh, And what you end up happening is those who are your star performers do their own thing that you now cannot have any visibility in because they're not using the tool. And those who maybe aren't the strongest performers mm -hmm. will do nothing. And that stinks too. And so where we see a lot of value is a, the increase in adoption. So about 15 to 20 basis point increase in adoption rate, mm -hmm. not just people initially signing up, but consistently utilizing the program that you're putting into place by achieving the right content mix. And as yeah. you said, Alex, it's not all one or all the other. You know That right content mix does vary slightly per industry, but there are always three main pillars. You know, One is your promotional, your sales content. It's gotta be there. Why would I just like, you know, we don't want to be like those Geico commercials or, or yeah. those the Affleck commercials, right? Where everybody knew the freaking duck, but no one knew what the heck these guys did. So yeah. like, I love the duck, great brand. <laughs> I have no idea why I would ever actually use any of your services. So now they're doing this retread of trying to communicate what they actually do. Mm -hmm. You don't want that to happen for your sales team. So you need this promotional content, this sales content. Mm -hmm. That's usually 25% or so. Uh, the other pillar is your thought leadership, industry yeah. thought leadership. And that is probably the vast majority of the content that you're sharing. About half to three quarters of that should be curated, third-party yeah. content, yeah. right? The other portion of that is your own company's thought leadership. You're internalizing what's happening in the industry and saying what's going on or what your perspective is on how to address it. That's an important aspect. The final element is often forgotten, which is the lifestyle or the we are human beings still mm -hmm. element of it. And, you know, this is, this can certainly be the interesting life events that you're experiencing. And we see those and those tend to almost always perform well on LinkedIn, but you can't only be the guy with kids, right? Like that's great. And everybody then sees you as the guy with kids, but we don't know if you have any intelligence or if you sell <laughs> anything, right? So you got to balance that as yeah. well. Uh, and that's usually about 33%. And that can still be supported by the organization. Those will be, you know, stress or anxiety, if that's a, a key yeah. tenant of your organization to try to manage that. Uh, are there certain charities that the organization cares a lot about? Are there mm -hmm. certain hobbies that are shared amongst you and your client base? And curating articles about that. Some of the lighter stuff, like, yeah. especially now, we like reading some of that stuff, right? Yeah. It's, it's helpful to get that engagement. So that internal adoption is critical, not just by having the right mix, but by making sure there's always something new there. On the external side, 
time and time again, all these reports consistently come out, third-party content tends to get around twice the engagement rate of original content. Okay. Um, and a lot of that is probably, and then we haven't been able to pull this out due to privacy information, but mm -hmm. probably from people who are just discovering you for the first time or that first little bit of time where they're trying to understand what the heck you're about, right? So if you share a video, I may listen to a little bit of it just to see, you know, if you screw yeah. up in the beginning of that, but I don't really know you or know what it's about. So I'll probably ignore that. Uh, if somebody in my network engages with a post that you make and I recognize the publisher that it came from, I'm more apt to read your insights and read that article because I'm getting immediate value then. It's an article that I probably would have read if I just found it on my own. Yeah. Now I don't have to find it on my own. Um, we also see by having that mix, your conversion rate on your promotional content goes up by about a factor of two as well. Okay. Uh, because of all the eyeballs now, right? Yeah. All the context creation that you've done for people who would have taken a longer time to get through that journey. So that is really the two metrics that we see. Mm -hmm. You're not going to often get in conversions in the traditional sense off of that third party article. So in a vacuum, curation isn't going to drive new leads yeah. but it's by creating that audience by stimulating that audience so that when you do bring something that's maybe more valuable to you than they mm -hmm. to the forefront they're ready to trust you they like you they know what you're about hey you know this is something that i should should either act on right now or if you're in one of those industries where like hey i don't need to write finance my mortgage every week mm -hmm. but i know that you're the guy yeah. And when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm thinking about this. Oh, well, you should go talk to Alex. He always shares great stuff. I love him. You know, he's and I feel like I know you, even though I've never actually met this person right there just on yeah. LinkedIn. Um, so that can be where we see the best KPIs. This does not have to be the fluffy halo. Yeah. Just trust me, guys. We should do it. It feels good to do it. You can now measure the effectiveness of your creation or curation program. Mm -hmm. But like with everything. Don't measure it after day three, right? Like that's, it's, it, why? Yeah. Uh, give yourself some time. It needs to become a habit. What you're going to start seeing is just more is being shared. That's going to be your initial directional indicator. My team is actually using this. That's great. My team's actually getting, they're growing their own networks. The impressions on the articles that are being posted are growing. Mm -hmm. Then it's now the conversions on the uh, company posts are yeah. now increasing. And that's where you start to see the cycle come through. The other element that I'd mentioned in measurement is more of a efficiency measure, mm -hmm. which is, can I use these this content, whether it's original or curated, what are all the channels I can use it in, right? And so where we see a, an even greater amplifier is if I'm utilizing the articles that I've approved, not just for social, mm -hmm. but I'm using them in an email campaign going out maybe as my individual sales leaders to their subscriber list. Yeah. Here are the articles that our team's reading this week that we think would be interesting to you. Those maybe are the same articles that I'm sharing on social. And then when that email comes about, it's somehow familiar to me. Well, it's because you just saw it on LinkedIn, Yeah. but it feels familiar. And then when you do send the promotional ask, I'm more likely to open that as well. And so that's where we start to really unlock value is when it is, and I'm going to use this term and I, cringe every time I use it. It's this omni-channel approach to content. No more should we think about curated articles as just social media content. Mm 
when we think about our original content and our first thought after we create it is how many places can we use this in? Yeah. right we should think about that the same way when we think about the curated content set that we have context cure context creation i'm going to steal that i think that's I like a really, it i like it that's a really neat way to describe fundamentally what you are trying to do generally but i think that's a really good way to help certainly if you're social selling that is probably a really neat way to wrap up what, what the end goal is is creating that context around you based on as scott's talked about the different kind of um buckets of content but then the volumes in which you should uh uh you should use it and i'm a you know big advocate of uh, of that in terms of yeah the, the bring value piece to your network on on I'm, I'm losing faith with that term as well as much as I'm losing faith faith with personal branding. I don't know what else to yeah. what else yeah. to um uh, to to call it. So, with that with all that in mind, kind of I think that's kind of set the scene really really well in terms of what up content up content's all about, what it can do for for you as individuals and you as organisations. And we've got the title is is content is content. Come on, Alexander, still uh, still king which i mean evidently of course it is but what and you touched on this in terms of the the, the personal aspect around this we, we, we're human right um or are we are we going to be human based on where where we're where we're going we're really interested in terms of your your insight what you've seen on your side your, your side of the the world what you're hearing any kind of data or metrics to potentially support this and don't worry if you if, if there isn't any but over the last two years so during the pandemic what i've seen primarily on on linkedin because that's kind of the safe social media platform for most business folk to be on is this massive shift in the type of content that is being pushed out there you know five years ago linkedin professional platform you share professional business related only content either the company content or a professional blog uh, right. professional video or something from Forbes for example that mm -hmm. content has um has surfaced for you then global pandemic uh hits fingers crossed we're now coming out the other the other side of that but when we were suddenly all forced into little screens and working from home and we started to peel back the corporate veneer which typically is how we present ourselves on um, on LinkedIn or on social and you see people in terms of oh look at look at the nice house they've got or the kids or the cats or or whatever it might be this started to morph into people sharing this on LinkedIn I think it got a little too far probably during 20 well, I would agree 2020 Mm -hmm. then it dialed back a bit but now with the advent of so video now with the advent of TikTok, and we're waiting to see what linkedin doing the video mm -hmm. you know their, their video revamp you've got audio rooms coming out so audio content is really an interesting space at the moment we're not going back we're not going back in terms of my view in terms of what we're now what we're now seeing and for me i think it's 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 a good thing but from your clients, your perspective. What what are you seeing? Where where do you believe this could take us? Might take us? How might this change? The not change, but again, pivot. I hate that no. the direction of travel, that no. you know, content overall and content distribution may or may not go. Broad yeah. question. No, I apologize. It's a great question. It's a great question. I I believe that content is still one of the knights at the round table for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Whether or not it is king, I, I, what's been interesting over the last 20 months or so is that it feels like the person 
has now become king. Whereas before the individual in the organization was a conduit for the content, right? We had all seen those calculators that frustrate the heck out of me, right? Hey, you should employ a social selling program because if you have 10 pieces of content and you have a hundred employees, that's, you know, a thousand social posts that yeah. you don't have to do yourself, right? And voila, right? It's all, it's just blasting it. So if you can paper the world with your content, that's success. Mm -hmm. And we've learned that that's not from the employee's perspective, you better not show them that calculator or they are going to delete that app immediately, <laughs> right? It needs to be positioned as a service to that team member to help yeah. them grow their business, help them build their personal brand. And by doing it, it reflects on the company. And so people seem today, whereas when I started in consulting, it was very much, you are who you work for. Yeah. Right? And I think that has now shifted to the firm is who works for it. Right. And, and that has been a very interesting shift, even talking to those who are newly coming out of undergrad and looking for mm -hmm. consulting roles. They're not just going through the same list, right? They're looking to see, this is the person I interviewed with, who else is on her team? Where yeah. are they based? What are they sharing? Do they seem like they know what they're talking about? Do they seem like people I can work with? And that's how they're making their choice. So content supports the ability to showcase that versus me just going on and, and always posting, we're a great place to work, people like us, I'm not a jerk, right? I can only say that so many times. Um, and to your point, lifestyle content is, is critical, but mm -hmm. artificial lifestyle content, yeah. for me at least, creates such a visceral reaction where yeah. you know it was this staged, like, I don't need to see a picture of your cappuccino, right? Like, what does that tell me? Like, okay, you drink coffee and you like the heart versus the little flower on it. Like, cool. I don't know. I don't, why did I spend time on that? Right. So I think it is, you know, if there's something really interesting going on and there've been some great posts uh, that show the family life, here's what I'm dealing with. And it helps to resonate that. Oh, this is somebody who I can relate to. That's what the lifestyle content yeah. should, should be showing. Not some braggadocious, I'm the most amazing person in the world. Braggadocious. I'm taking that word as well. I can, I can only handle so much of that before I just have to tune you <laughs> out, right? But I do want to know what you think about what's going on right now and content because I and most of the people on your team are not content creators, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you help them showcase what they're thinking? I can't ask you to write a whole written piece once a week. Okay. Trust me, when we were doing yeah. the marketing side, particularly <laughs> professional services, trying to pull teeth from these amazing yeah. plot leaders to get them to just have an interview with us that we would then write was mm -hmm. terrible. So how do I give them great content or they're thought leaders, they're already reading stuff. How do we yeah. make it easy for them to share what they're reading, not only externally, but with the rest of the team to build that. Uh, and that's where I think content becomes a critical enabler, but the person seems that they have now taken that top spot as being king and the content and the firm and the tools and the platforms need to focus on making that person grow in the organization and showcase their thought leadership, their success, their brand, because that's now a huge competitive angle. Uh, we're seeing it a lot. We have a lot of customers in, in financial services. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of advisors jumping from one place to the other. And one of the big reasons is not the, you know, 
beautiful office or some of the other, you know, the, even the clearinghouse functionality as much anymore. Yeah. It's about how do you make me look good, right? And they don't ask it that way, but that's yeah. what everyone is now selling. It's, you have these platforms, we're going to pull in your client base, we're going to help you look awesome, be that trusted advisor. And content is critical there. So that would be the order of the hierarchy that I would now place things in, which sounds, you know, great and fun and pat you on the back. Hey, people are the best, but I don't, it wasn't always that way, right? It was very much, I think even two years ago, a, we have content, you as an employee need to share my content that I've created. It's the best, right? And it, I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been here, share my stuff. And that has totally flipped on its head. Uh, and I'm excited that that also doesn't feel like it's changing going forward. It's, and this is why I always enjoy getting people on my show. My show sounds very grand who are way above my pay grade in terms of uh, the area of expertise because they always put it, you always put it much more eloquently than I ever, I ever could. And I, it's, it's interesting because there's a chap called uh, Andrew Grill, who's a futurist thought leader. I think he's IBM, ex-IBM. I think it was, what are we, 2022 now, aren't we? So I think back in 2016, 17, he wrote an article around how back then his view was that an employer is leasing or hire renting the brand of the em employee. But it's taken a global pandemic to actually it has really enabled that. And again, with you know, we're seeing the resurgence of employee advocacy programs, but I hope they're, they're EA programs that are led by the employee, not yes. by here's a piece of technology which is going to just churn out corporate stuff. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to name clients, but I'm not going to name platforms either. But the amount of times I've said, don't use the internal metrics. Well, why? Because, yes, that people try to get to the top of the leaderboard because of the internal metric. And we would go, OK, so that post on LinkedIn, you're being told has got really good engagement. Let's go to LinkedIn. Let's look at that post. Let's actually see who is engaged with it. Oh, right. it's all your own employees. Yes. Let's see yeah. who viewed that post. Oh, it's your own company, which could be useful to a certain extent for a global yes. organization and all your competitors. Right. That number's bullshit with the greatest mm -hmm. respect in the, um, uh, yes. in, in the world. It's like, oh, I, I didn't even know that that, that kind of thing um, existed. So and I was on a future webinar, CMO, whatever thing last week with uh, Gartner. And they were saying by 2023, so end of next year, they predict that 90% of all B2B organizations will have a robust employee advocacy program in place to support the overall agenda of what we're trying to achieve as an organization, not only from a sales and marketing perspective, but you know, to your point, Scott, around the next generation coming in for uh, employee, they want to know what your purpose is. They want to know mm. what your stance is on being, you know, ESG, LGBTQ, all yes. this kind of stuff. We, you have to be talking about it, and actually, the leadership has to be talking about it, but not in a. I'm talking about it because I have to be talking about it. Yes. I'm talking about exactly. it because I actually care about it, and I believe in it myself. It's it's fat. It's fascinating. Um, so. We again, we 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 touched on this, so let's really, really go um, go there. Um, I have been tinkering with uh, Meta and the metaverse and virtual reality, having bought an Oculus uh, Quest Two VR headset. Uh, if you can afford it, listeners, I highly recommend that you uh, that you do because it'll open your eyes to uh, certainly where collaboration is going. Now, if we just kind of think around content in, in virtual reality, let's not call it the metaverse, I think people yeah. get, can't really get their head around that, but in VR, 
Um, NFTs, for example, so non-fungible tokens in terms of artwork, one could argue mm -hmm. is, is content. You know, we're now seeing these galleries kind of uh, appear. And you may not be able to answer this because I never script this. I never give my guests yeah, yeah. a time to, to think about it. So this is just kind of coming to my head. How, and I don't know the answer to this. I'm trying to figure, figure this out. How do we think or believe that what we've, what we've been talking about could translate into a three-dimensional environment where there's no laws of physics in terms of uh, in terms of stuff so what i mean by that i was tinkering with uh, work work rooms had a coffee cup on my table and then you can make the coffee cup big small you can stretch it to any kind of shape that you want i had a whiteboard and i can draw whatever i uh, whatever I, I i want on how again i'm trying to give you time to, 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 yeah. to yeah, formulate yeah. your answer score how, how how do we think that the world of content content creation up content what you know where how what why when and again forgive, yeah. forgive me for putting you on, on the spot no i think this is great and I, there's two answers that come to mind one is i think the i have no doubt it's going to happen and then one is the like this would be really cool if yeah. it happens i think the okay. the no doubt it's going to happen is there's still an asynchronous element. All there's still always going to be an asynchronous element. You know, yeah. if we kind of think about the metaverse as replacing or, or enriching what we're doing right now, mm -hmm. right? There's this in-person quasi yeah. engagement that can occur. You can't replace that by, well, instead of us talking here, read this entrepreneur article. Mm -hmm. That's that doesn't work. But how do I get that meeting? How do I convince you that it's worth the time for us to connect? with the limited time you have, because that's not changing, unfortunately. Uh, until they can freeze the time, then it would be awesome. But we still need to convince you, just like it, you had to convince me that getting on a plane makes sense, or I had to convince yeah. somebody else that getting on a plane makes sense. I'm gonna have to convince you that spending this time together makes sense. Yeah. Third party content, the traditional use of content, that's always gonna be there because I don't wanna be talking to somebody with the head, you know Oculus headset on all day long. Right. Uh, Virtual conferences, I think it's going to be even more critical, right? Just like we used to do, where you can kind of just sit outside in the hallway or in the coffee yeah. shop across the street and book your your schedule. Mm -hmm. And you had to plan a lot in advance, right? Yeah. I think we've all made that initial mistake early in our career where we just show up at the conference, right? Yeah. We're like, who, what am I doing here? Like, who am I talking to? Like, hey, what do you do? Like, that's a terrible approach. Um, so I think it's still going to be important as these conferences move virtual. And I think for me, at least, it's made it harder to have those ad hoc conversations with today's version of these virtual conferences, because there's, everybody's distracted doing other things at the same time. It's up on the window. You're not getting the engagement that you used to get in, in person um, or the spontaneity. Metaverse, I think, or VR is going to help solve that and mm -hmm. bring those two elements closer together. So I think easy, nothing really changes strategically, yeah. but the, instead of the zoom dialogue, you're having that conversation then in person, but you still have to make it worthwhile to have that yeah. conversation. The longer, like this would be really cool view, I think is very uh, minority report. Like if, if anyone's yeah. seen that movie, right. Where you are, Kind of digging deeper and yes exactly that kind of you know oh i don't i don't want content around cloud computing anymore bring in like digital transformation yeah. content okay like i don't want that one i don't want that one what's this one like bam you know let me read that send this to susan like send that yep. to greg 
Um, I could see that environment uh, where you do have kind of more things going on um, and that can allow for cross collaboration, which I think yeah. is one of the big tenets of this VR moving from like super shiny, cool thing to effective in a business world. And one of the continued missing components in content is it does still often become a very siloed activity. Yeah. And while it is being presented as the view of the organization, it's oftentimes the view of those five people that are in corporate comms right now, right? And yeah. we hope that that also reflects the view of the 3,000 employees or 10,000 employees in the organization. And so having the ability for collaboration or recommendations or, hey, I think this is cool, like go send that to these guys, that would be the really exciting part. And the other element of that is the internal use of content, which I think isn't done at all very well. It's very much create and use externally. Yeah. We've already started to see, I don't need to, I don't want to use this externally right now. My main goal is to help my mentees become smarter. And my mentees are no longer two doors down in the open office and I'm in this other office and I can just mm -hmm. go down and say, hey, this is really cool. Let's chat about it. They're in eight different states or four different countries. And so how do we create an environment where we can share things with each other, talk about what's going on. What are our thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? Almost like the VR book club yeah. in an organization for relevant and interesting information. That is what would be exceptionally cool to accomplish with content and VR together. Interesting. So um, reflecting on that, within so within Oculus, you can now, that's full VR, you can, you can, it's a bit clunky, but you are actually able to with hand gestures without the the, the controllers, which are yeah. these things uh, these things here. You can actually do scroll. You can move icons around. You can pinch stuff out and move move things uh, move things around. If you uh, Google, uh, there are other, are other search engines, but if you Google um, Microsoft Mesh M E S H, that's where they're going is this is what's sometimes called extended reality so it's ar quasi vr but you'll see where the hololens the problem with the hololens starts at three thousand us dollars so it's not it's not very it is know, a very yeah. um, uh, retail friendly yeah. and their concept is exactly that you look at some of the stuff on the website it is freaking cool yeah. um, and this is they're in beta now to your exact point, Scott, that that is where they potentially see this this blend. Because you're right. I mean, after kind of half an hour of having the the VR goggles on, it's quite it's quite tiring, and your brain's kind of like, oh, this is okay, this is cool, but this is actually quite hard to uh, uh, to process. So yeah, I mean, your your thinking is very much on the, the direction of travel of what one can kind of do today. Yeah. It's certainly where the big organisations that have got the the, the computing power, and the technology. To, to take this so you know who knows in five years time you and I could be recording a podcast in a virtual in a virtual room but able to also draw in all kinds of other stuff so yeah yeah that'll be great I'm looking forward to that and as I mentioned in the uh, in that illustrious green room that you have as long <laughs> as they uh, the only thing I would ask of those groups is if they can allow you to actually consume uh, the the lunch or the dinner that we would be having together in that virtual world in some way. Uh, because if I can get over to where you are, Alex, we can go out to uh, you know a great place to grab a bite. That that'll make it for me. Then I'm never right. leaving the house Absolutely. like I did. 
you've, you've now sealed uh, the deal. Bring, bring you around to mine, Scott, and I'll do a barbecue English style on my big J3s and learn stuff. So this is a great example. I saw the video of you doing that, and I was like, I want to be there, right? That was a great, authentic lifestyle. Like, I know more about you now, right? That is a good example. Anybody who hasn't watched it yet, especially in the winter months here, go back to that and uh, and enjoy that. And you were, like, thinking with your dad or something, right? And, yeah, and that, that's right. Big, you yeah, know, yeah. big, big, oh, my, oh my God, we could do a whole podcast on barbecue. Maybe we should do it. I absolutely love barbecue. And uh, us Brits are, are getting pretty good at doing the old, uh, old proper, old proper, uh, proper style. But uh, awesome. we digress. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> Scott, it's been um, an absolute pleasure. I know it's taken us a while to get here, but maybe things are meant, sometimes I think things are meant to I be so. at the right time that we were able to have this conversation and everything that's happening. If people want to find you, if they want to, um, you know, connect, follow, where's the best place that um, I can point them to in the things that I still don't know where to put it. I still yeah. can't do this YouTube thing. In this area or yeah. down here. Uh, so, I'm on, yeah, LinkedIn, Twitter. Feel free to find me there. Yeah. Uh, you can always email me directly as well. And I, I'm excited to talk about any of these topic areas. Uh, if it is spam, then, you know, we'll do what we do with spam. But just scott at upcontent.com. I uh, would love to have direct conversations, uh, not necessarily exclusively about upcontent, although I certainly enjoy talking about that. But would love to get your view on some of the topic areas that, that we talked about, how you're addressing them. As you know, Alex, it's a quickly changing environment. And so yeah. hearing how people are tackling those challenges is a huge value to us to inform what we should be doing next, what direction we should be facing. And uh, hearing those thoughts from the group would be fantastic. Perfect. Thank you. So I'll put the links to all the bios in here. I won't put Scott's email in the written format. You have to listen to get that one. Yeah, I've been, you have to listen to it. So scott at upcontent.com. Uh, a, that will prove you've listened to this podcast all the way through because we're at the end. And B, mention that it was this podcast that has driven you to contact Scott and you're more likely to get a, uh, a, a response. Um, to all my listeners, as always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you want to be on this podcast and you want to do, if you want to recommend anybody on this podcast, you know what to do. Um, but Scott, absolute pleasure. Really glad we were finally able to, uh, to connect. Awesome. Likewise. Thank you so much.